In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity. Welcome back to another week on the Catholic Toolbox, the art of practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh. He has worked up you with practical tools to live the Catholic faith in our modern world today. And uh, we just finished eating dinner tonight. And uh, <laughs> it got me thinking about food. Oh, no, sorry, actually. <laughs> I've been thinking about yeah. it every day or <laughs> maybe a week ago. And uh, how are you, Robert? I hope you're... I'm George. I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad that you're enjoying your food because that's what it is about. Is it, it is about it's an enjoyable part of our human existence, and just like anything uh, that's quite natural, we 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 need to um, look after it and be grateful uh, for such a wonderful gift. Excellent, beautiful, and uh, Robert Martek back uh, here on the show. Uh, psychologist uh, you're the Catholic toolbox psychological consultant that's how I'd like to see you here on the show fantastic a, 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 pro, a promo at the beginning of the show that's great excellent and uh, Robert's worked in the fields of education and now works uh, and deals with many, many different people throughout his week and it's very very important so I think people tonight maybe figured out what the topic might be that is food and our faith yeah. it's a big factor. I mean, what we put into our mouths every day and the correlation between our faith. I mean, the whole concept of mortification, of trying to deny ourselves some food, of fasting. There's a great connection between what we put in our mouth and our spiritual lives. And it got me thinking because, I mean, I grew up with great food, you know, in Lebanese, uh, with Lebanese migrant parents, a great household, lots of bread, <laughs> lots of carbs. I enjoy food. You know, I enjoy different types of uh, cuisines. Uh, we dine regularly. So I can consider myself a foodie. Uh, but then it got me thinking, you know, in discussions with people like yourself and, and many different people is, is sometimes do we overstep our, our devotion to eating, eating out, stuffing ourselves in the face with food too much that it can inhibit some, some spiritual growth? And that's what I want to discuss here tonight. And, and uh, I want to get your thoughts here on that. Mm. Okay. Well, well, George, from, from, from my studies, and um, I'm just in the early stages of, of these uh, studies with regarding uh, food and eating disorders. Now, I must qualify. I'm not an eating disorder specialist, but uh, hopefully in, in a few weeks, I'll be able to talk to you more about that. I'm just waiting for a, a particular license. So whatever is said on the program is said for, uh, it's for entertainment purposes, not to be taken for medical yeah, uh, literature per se. Uh, this does not count yeah. as any medical or psychological advice. Yeah. Please do yeah. seek relevant professional advice. Anything we say yeah. the parameters of this episode yeah. does not count yeah. as professional advice. But so it, it's absolutely amazing that you're you're going down the path of specialising in eating disorders. Yes, correct? yes, yes, that's correct. So, so let our, our listeners know a little bit why you chose to go down that path. I'm sure there's a spiritual connection as well. <laughs> from Look at yes, helping yes, people. there is. Well, um, a particular client that um, uh, was working at a. Um, uh, an aquatic center, one of these indoor aquatic centers out in the greater west uh, of this town in Sydney, and uh, which remains nameless, of course, because of legal uh, um, matters. But 
Um, she loved swimming instruction. She taught kids how to swim. She was teaching adults how to swim and even migrants, you know, so they can enjoy our Australian summers because we have a very, very high death rate when it comes to drowning amongst our migrant. And funnily enough, uh, the Lebanese population, but I don't know more than that. I don't part of the Lebanese population and what part of Lebanon uh, the migrants are coming from. But the sad story is they can't swim. So this instructor, she'd been at this place for 12 years, I think 12 years, yeah, on a casual basis. She started to develop these symptoms and she started to develop problems with her nose. And she said, I think there are too many chemicals in the water, in the centre, and she went to let the management know. Well, the management really didn't take her very, very seriously. But it was this one particular chemical um, that has offset her in midst of her enjoyment to the point where she got to a stage where she was eating only 400 calories a day and walking 15 kilometers each day religiously wow from a job a complaint a valid complaint because other people were were, were testifying to this strong odor and um and uh, and and now she's doesn't know whether she has to go to seek treatment in an inpatient clinic for depression is it the eating disorders or is she going to address her alcoholic use abuse disorder? This all came from nowhere. These three disorders have come from nowhere. Okay. So when you are dealing with an adult who gives you uh, a little bit of an insight into uh, their lack of eating, dealing with life and death here, because as you know, the weight plummets, and being a particular female, of course, there are certain menses and, 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 and cycles that are associated with, with womanhood that, that aren't working anymore. They're just, they're just not working. They're kind of like frozen. And this led me to think about now, I like swimming and I can see this woman has done no wrong. And what has led to this eating disorder? And it's, I believe it's... Um, We've lost the dinner table. We've lost our communication when it comes to food. We order from a robot or like a speaker, but we don't see the person until they're right there. It's handed to us. So we get kind of like a human arm, but it's like a robotic arm mm -hmm. and, and it's given to you. And so we in Australia are eating everywhere else but the dinner table. We're talking everywhere but the dinner table. And of course, the spiritual side of things is the dinner table. The first, the, the church, the first domestic church is the family at home and our dinner table and the banquet with our Lord in the Eucharist. Why aren't we having people receiving our Lord on Sundays? Where are they? And there is another disorder, a spiritual disorder, where people are very low in calories concerning the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah. There's a start, yes. The Eucharist. Absolutely. And, and, and when you look at uh, uh, Brad, I think Brad Petrie's book, The Jewish Roots of the Eucharist, you see the banquet was very much on a lounge and apostles leaning over very relaxed because they're with the they're with the greatest lover on earth jesus the tremendous lover and so they're kind of they're swooning kind of they're drunk with absolute joy of being with jesus that that's the joy it's it's like you're drunk it's it's you, you, the spiritual joy is huge and you're with jesus sharing in his banquet now look at our restaurants it's beautiful people are going out but they're lining up out on the street to get into a particular menu and i am the bread of life is 
wanting to give himself and there's a refusal. That's what hurts. And this is what hurts with eating disorders too. People eat by themselves. Why? Because they can't get on with mum. They've had an argument. So they take their food to the room. Or they sit on the TV. They sit on the TV in the office. Someone looks at them. In innuendo. Oh, you're having a bit too much to eat. That person will not be eating at work ever, ever again. Exactly. I mean, most people in the workplaces often, and my own experience when I did used to work in an office was that you do get up and you, you, you don't eat with colleagues. We're not eating with anybody. We're just eating with our phone. You know how you see it during lunchtime. People, yep. would, you know, and I'm, I've been guilty of it, you know, eating and you're just watching a video, eating, you know, looking at a screen and, you know, people don't want to talk to people at lunchtime. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, where, where I am, I'm fortunate enough in a medical, in a private practice, uh, pre-COVID when the surgery, we're, we're on telehealth and televideo Zoom like we are now, George, on with the patients. And it, it's really good, has its purpose. But when, when the surgery was open, we'd be having lunch together in the lunchroom. And whenever you saw a phone, it was just somebody replying to one of their loved ones at home. How's your day? This and that. And, that, and that's it. But the interaction was with the staff and the staff being uh, doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, and uh, physios. And, and, and that communication at lunchtime. Yes. That's absolutely yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think to myself, well, if it's good enough for doctors to sit down and have chicken or chicken and potatoes and have an occasional Uber deliver some uh, chicken from, I won't name the place. I'm not promoting them. I've got no sponsorship with them, but I will. I think they're called Aljanar. I think they're called Charcoal. Right. They're very popular. Great chicken. The GPs love it. So if it's good enough for GPs and people that are very, have a lot of knowledge medically, it's good enough for anyone if you can. But if your policy and work is, you know, and, and you can go and have something by yourself sometimes if you want, but it's the, the communication. It's not the actual food. It's the face that you have around you, the faces you have around you. And we're all the same. And there's something about community. Is there something, Robert, about a meal that that il that illustrates communion? Yeah, We're eating it together, is. that bond. Yeah. Our Lord chose to institute the Eucharistic sacrifice through the context of a meal. There's yeah. something about a meal. You eat together. You know, there's there's a bond and a connection spiritually or impersonally through eating together, through bonding over a meal. Yes. 100%. Because I'll tell you this now, and there's one thing that we need to take into account working in the, in the uh, psychological field and mental health. What St. Paul says in scripture is very important. Uh, I think it's along the lines of do not force your brother to have a particular, I think, a meat or something like that if their stomach is very sensitive that's not to say that we're meant to be vegetarian or not. You can be vegetarian if you want, nothing wrong, right? Make sure that you're doing all those right things by your doctor, what he wants you to do, if you have that. But what it's saying is that it's the food is the means to an end of being with people, being with others. Because if you really like and care for others, you want those others with you, at lunch to be with you in the heavenly banquet in heaven where we are the, the joy the satiation of ecstasy gets bigger and bigger you do not get you get happier and happier there is no end to it that's amazing and it's the food it's the nourishment and if you look at these problems that we have in society today george you know, breast breastfeeding now is turned and called a chest feeder. So a mother now is instead of breastfeeding, it's she's known as a chest feeder. Now I don't know about you, but if someone in my family 
came up to my mum and and uh, you know called her a chest feed, I'm sure she'd slap them. <laughs> right? Okay, because a mother nurture nature nurture the breast the breast and if the mother can't breastfeed then they follow the formulas and everything by their gp right so we don't get women that 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 have all these societal impositions on them you know it's uh it's a private matter and there's nothing wrong with that but you see from from nurturing their and if we live to a ripe old age when we can't lift up a cup of water and someone gives us a cup of water and, and we drink, we've come the full cycle, you see. And within this cycle, the three basic things, sleep, work, you know, rest, eat, the, these staple things, if we get them right, we would solve a lot, a lot of problems. They wouldn't exist. They wouldn't exist. People aren't robbing shops and saying, give me 10 best roast chickens or I'll shoot you. <laughs> you know, they want money. Why? They want money for something they want to buy because they're hooked. But if you said to him, I haven't got any money, but I've got a beautiful chicken with some roast potatoes you want to eat with me. <laughs> right? It would, it would appeal to the greatest criminal, but because he's already engaged in the act, it would take a tremendous person to say, you know what, you're right, okay? But you've got to look at what people want, what they need. And if we leave someone without food for more than, I don't know how many days it is, we die. We die. Finished. We die. doesn't matter how smart you are or where you come from or what language you speak, we die. It's very important how you alluded to the fact that when we eat, we eat together to, to feed ourselves with something essential that we need for life, yeah. for our physical life. Yeah. And, and we need to eat to stay alive. So in, in staying alive and having life, eating together, I mean, that's, that's probably where the bond comes from because we're eating together yeah. obviously to, to stay alive and feed and nourish our bodies. Yes. Which connects very nicely to the fact that then this this can be a, a a foundation for understanding that we need the eucharist yes to nourish us spiritually and we receive it together at mass we are yes. one body and we eat from uh, we, we eat from the same bread and drink from the same cup that's right that's exactly right. So when you, and you understand this, and when you understand that, brother doesn't have to strike brother on the face at work. There wouldn't be jealousy because we're all partake of that same meal, right? But the forces today, where a lot of uh, negative forces are, there's even diabolical forces. I mean, there are priests now returning to study diabolical deliverances because people have become possessed and obsessed how well look everything that is normal is frowned upon is looked down upon family dinner or family dinner it's not highlighted as the summit with the eucharist the family dinner but mcdonald's is kfc is you know these meals are promoted in the middle of a sports game where the, the sportsman is in fatigue mode and then we are dining on these boxes we're watching something and and uh, six months later or, or two years later we look down at our stomach and go wow i've become really fat how'd that happen very sneakily and this is what we need to be aware of we need to be aware of meals when we have them we have them and, and that's what eating is that's all it is so my, my aim is to, I suppose, in the, with the Catholicism, is to uh, let people know that we need to drop things like diet. We need to drop things like uh, labels like good food, bad food. There is no bad food. If you're starving to death, you, you're not going to say, I'm not having that, that's bad food. You know, survival stories tell us, <laughs> you know, we, we want to live and we will eat anything 
if we haven't got it, we will eat something. We have to eat something. So there's no such thing as a bad food. But what there is, is um, a lack of program, a lack of plan during the day. Just like you're going to meet a client at 10, you're going to have breakfast at 9 or, or 8.30. But what we do is we don't give it importance. We brush over it. You know, we want to do phone or something. And this is where we can't talk because we're talking whenever we talk at best. It's always when everything else has finished its course, done its day, okay? So, you know, things like, you know, asking to leave the table, it might sound old-fashioned, but it's not. It's just manners because why should he go? And then the kid goes, well, why can't I go, you know? And where else can you talk about with your family? Where else can you ask them about their day? They might have had a really crappy day. And dad goes, look, you could tell me about it. Share it with us and we'll see if we can help you. Bang, problem solved. The dinner goes down much sweeter. I mean, there's it, something there. The communion, eating yeah. to nourish our bodies, to live, to have physical life, eating yeah. the Eucharist to nourish yeah. our bodies for the spiritual life, for the resurrection. Yeah. There's, a, there's just a profound connection there. Now let's get into the eating disorder eating mm -hmm. disorders or eating imbalances or let's say gluttony you know the 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 the, the danger of gluttony and how that can affect your spiritual life i mean if you're overeating stuffing yourself with food too much uh, having a lack of mortification in your life yeah. food or control yeah. how can that yeah. affect what danger does that pose to your spiritual life Okay, so the, yeah, if you're yeah. not religious. Okay, well, the thing is, even atheists can develop eating disorders and even develop gluttony when it comes to an over uh, extension of a particular area of life. So let's look at food. Okay, now, problem with gluttony is, is this: we become insensitive to our brother's needs who is standing in front of us we become insensitive what i mean is we can't feel his hunger if we are full and so even with gluttony it's it it, it leads to all sorts of other sins and it's like Divas, you know, that King Divas, you know, he, he, he used to feast on all these royal breakfasts, you know, and out the front of Divas's palace was a poor man, right? And even in today's gospel at church, it was the woman, Syrophoenician woman, that's out from near your parents' way in Lebanon, you know, yes. out that way, right? Yeah, yeah, right? And yeah, we spoke Syriac, so Syrophoenician, uh, yeah. that's... That's a pure Lebanese. <laughs> Perfect, right? Okay, and yeah. look at this. Look at this. A woman who is not part of the, let's say, chosen, you know, once she's from the other people, but yet she saw Jesus. She saw the banquet. She wanted it. And, and even he said, it's a bit like in the first miracle, Mother, it's not my time. He said, no, no, well, it's not fair, you know, that um, I, you know, give you over this you know, these are my people kind of thing you know our lord showed his humanity not a bias he's just saying look um they have to go first and she said look doesn't matter i basically lowered herself to a form like a dog and said but master like the dog even eats the crumbs underneath the master's table so she's so humble that she will eat crumbs right you know because there's a connection there between the food and gateway to salvation. So when we are gluttonous, we can't move from the dinner table. Yes. We're stuck. That's right. Okay. And, you know, it's a bit like, um, I think there was an episode of uh, Costanza, George Costanza on Seinfeld. Yes. I'm the Seinfeld fan. Yeah. 
he got this job at a baseball stadium and he's some sort of marketing guru. He had his own office and he was overlooking the baseball stadium. He was, he, he became a bit bored and became a bit tired. He wasn't sleeping well. So he's looking at his desk and he's figuring out underneath his desk. He's looking, oh, I wonder where I can have some uh, nap, nap sleep, you know, and people are going past his window and he's waving. Hello. Hello. And anyway, eventually he crawls in and he finds his place and he starts to sleep there. You know? He eventually got caught and he said, look, you know, I, I, I get up in the morning only so I can go back to sleep sooner in the nighttime. Right. So there's a gluttony there of, of, of an overuse of sleep. So it's the same with food and drink, right? We've got a capacity. Now, you know, gluttony is going to profit you nothing. That means that the donkey is controlling the rider. You're, but you're the rider. You have to control the 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 colt, the, the donkey, because you want it to go a long distance. And if you stuff it, it's going to let you down. Well, that's just absolutely profound. Uh, the perspective that you gave us there. So, so there is a great connection. I mean, if if we yeah. don't think about modifying ourselves in terms of food yeah and how can we modify ourselves in terms of other carnal pleasures i mean food is the yeah. way education yeah. with food has a great connection to the flesh so if we're able yes. to modify ourselves we can yeah. have greater discipline yeah let's say in human virtues not religious but just human virtues which can then also in terms of um being able to pray better and do uh, we're growing hu- in, in what it means to be human more and more having stronger self-discipline and the ability to say no to carnal pleasures of the flesh yes better and better. yes no yes um, it's a practice it's a training i mean you can switch on any tv station right now at eight and i'm sure two out of three stations are showing a food thing a chef thing you know which is great but it's all about judgment who's got the best food you know and if you look at people that love food it's a beautiful thing and but the greatest disorders are found in the back kitchen among chefs a lot of problems with food they won't they won't eat all day but they'll nibble all day and then have a big meal at the end of the night and then go to bed i mean that's right it's yeah. a it does a bin yeah, that's a binge. So, so for example, like binge, binge eating disorder is um, hardly having anything at the day. And then when you get home from work, closing the door and you're eating from uh, seven o'clock at night to maybe 10 o'clock at night, three hour session of eating nonstop. And there's also the situation where you have your three meals a day, but then there's exorbitant snacks, you know, while you're at your desk and, uh, and having drinks. <laughs> And everything Pick else. your snacks. Snacks, snacks. You have to stop for. You you have to move away from the um, your desk. You have to literally physically move out of your office if you're working from home. Go to where you're going to have it. Sit down somewhere and enjoy the snack. Give yourself a give yourself a break. So because what happens is you create yourself more spaces and you respect these different areas. Um, that you operate on if you happen to be working from home. It's a must, even physically, for your back. I mean, you know, you have... You're a great fan of eating six times a day. Yeah. Let's have a quick chat about that. So the, yeah. So the cutting edge professionals in the eating disorders are professors, you know, and these are the latest findings that you know, six meals a day is a must. So there's a breakfast and you pick what you want for breakfast. Okay. I'm not going to say good food, bad food. If you're not too sure, read up, get some dietitian's advice for free somewhere or, or ask around. Right. But it's, it's meant to be in proportion. Okay. So when you look at our, our um, plates today, they're massive. They're not that big. They're not meant to be that big. They're meant to be half the size. Okay. So in proportion 
and also leave yourself a little bit hungry at the end of it, just a little bit. Why? It's important. That's the discipline to be mortified, even though it's a good little piece. It's not wastage, it's a discipline. Leave it. Okay, have your breakfast when you have your breakfast, okay, in the morning. Have your first snack in the day, probably around about 10 o'clock. I mean, my school teaching background, one of the great things Department of Education has done is that crunch and sip. You know, they all the kids stop at 10 o'clock, sit down, they all have a snack together. They stop work. And this is a nice little boost, you know, an apple, banana, something good. And then at lunchtime, you have your lunch. Once again, you pick what you like for your lunch. And then, and then you have an afternoon snack. It can be kind of like a, a little, I don't know, a little bar or something, you know, whatever, you know, takes your fancy. You choose. There are many, many foods. You're going to go to the ones that are good, that, that are good for you, that don't, you know, according to your thing. But, you know, you've got to choose wisely. And then you've got dinner. So you get afternoon tea, four o'clock, three, four o'clock. You have dinner at uh, six o'clock, 6.30 or whatever. And then you've got supper, eight, 8.30, light supper. You know, uh, I think um, something like that. And now, here's one for you, George. I just went a mental blank. How many times do we pray in the church's day, in the church prayers? The six? Yeah, yes, we do. The six. There you go. Six meals, six prayers of the church. You know, they're, they're, these things aren't coincidences, you know. And then, you know, things like uh, mortification, uh, fasting, recommend spiritual director, I recommend letting someone know that if you are fasting, other religions fast, but we have to really know why we're fasting and we have to feel hungry. If we're feeling hungry, we're going to forget about ourselves more and we're going to actually start to see other people and we'll be able to help like Mother Teresa. If I'm full, if I don't discipline, if I don't fast or if I don't eat regularly, I'm not going to notice other people's problems. Why? Because I'm going to have a false security. I have everything, but I've got nothing. Yeah. Everything belongs to, this is all God's gift. The only thing I own is sin. Everything else is him, you see? So you can't lose. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And we will... Yeah, our security, our, we, we, we shut ourselves up. We go, oh, my okay, I've got that. Oh, wow. You know, it's a bit like the man with the barn. I'm going to open yeah. up another barn. Nothing wrong with wealth or richness, George, but think about this. We've got no security. Our only security is God. And if we don't have him, we're gone. We've got nothing and no one. We're going nowhere. We've got to waste our life. And the sorrow, could you imagine the sorrow of knowing that you wasted that life that God gave you? Because he'll show you. He shows you here on earth if you ask around. And if you miss it here on earth, he'll show you what you missed out on. But you're not going to have anything. You're going to be nothing, nothing to show for yourself. And that would be so awful. But George, if we try to practice modification, try to eat regularly, try these things, we're doing the right thing. We've got to remember that. A lot of people, oh, no, I'm doing the wrong thing. No, no, it must be, it's trickery. It must be, it sounds, sounds, you know, it, no, there's another way. I've read it in a book. You've got to do, no, 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 no. The more normal, push the normalcy in your day, and um, you're going to reap the benefits. Okay. I mean, let's now go into some three practical tools about how we as faithful, anybody listening who wants to grow in human virtue can grow in terms of controlling their food. So let's look at three practical strategies. Mm -hmm. to control your diet, eat proportionally. Obviously, mm -hmm any medical or professional advice, seek your own professional yeah. to yeah. generally yeah. 
tools that you could possibly even take to your professional and discuss about yeah. get our eating habits in order. Yeah. And thereby assist us in, in, in our spiritual growth. Well, the first thing is first is that um, e eating is a, it's a sacred it's a sacred ritual um, in any way in language, regardless of uh, faith denomination spiritual. There's a there's a sacredness there of partaking in something that's a life force. So with chlorophyll, whatever you're having, vegetables or the meat or the protein, these nourishments, these have been put here on earth by God and we need to savor and give him thanks. And that's the one thing. So that's why we bless ourselves and we do the thanksgiving and also do a thanksgiving after you have a meal as well, right? It's important. So once again, uh, blessings at the table. It's that's a that's a priority. It's a priority number one. Okay. Blessing. Yeah. Number two. Listen. Listen to others. Listen to other people talk. Listen to other members of your family. Don't jump right in and reach for something first or whatever. Allow others to to help and put on their plate what, what what's given. Okay you hang back a little bit, okay? And you just allow others. Why? Because um, that's Jesus in our family members. And I know it's really hard to see sometimes because they can be really hard family members, but Jesus is in that family member. Let Jesus have the first servings or whatever. And, and you talk. How's your day? We do not want the conversation to go about the food. Uh, okay, so the food needs to be the means which unites everyone. To an end. That's it. We stay alive and nourish our bodies, but through this means, we're connecting. Yeah, because somebody could tell me somebody could tell me how lovely the food is and how they prepared it and everything, but. You want them to, you, you want to see how lovely they are as a person. What they're about, take an interest in their life. And because this person is not just the sum of their cooking, there's a person there that actually perhaps cooked this meal and had a very sore back or had a really bad a train ride and, uh, or is really has a really burning question they want to ask someone. So we don't take people for granted. We don't look at the food. We look at the hand that gives us the food. Well, it's a yeah. very, very important point. Yeah. Very important. And, and, yeah. And, and the third, and the third is the, once again, uniting what brought you together, the family bond, strengthening that bond further as you journey together towards the heavenly banquet where you, you'll never be hungry or thirsty ever again in your whole life. Can you imagine that? You won't have to eat. You'll be feasting off God himself. And a fourth practical tool that you gave us is it's the six meals a day. I mean, it's a good, yes, a good number four, yeah. Strategy yes. to look into, yeah. consult with their professional about yes. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but these are basically broken up meals. Yes, they are, and that way, like even the doctors are kind of explain to you your 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 level of uh, saccharin sugar and everything. You have a nice, steady, continuous energy level right you're not, so it's going not where, where let's say you have breakfast it sp spikes up then four five six hours later you have lunch yeah back up and there's yeah it no keeps it no. consistent as a, 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 a yes level. it's a consistency because we don't want those dips because the dips are the ones that create more hunger more disorder well you know yeah. and therefore it's like as adults, we really have to look at when we were in kindergarten. There was no such thing as a, a, 
uh, boy or girl per se. There was just a friend. There was no such thing as Lebanese bread, Aussie bread. It was just bread. No one had a go at each other's food. Everyone uh, just was so busy being together and sharing that all these other adult things that we learn and break our innocence, that all comes and destroys all of that. You see? And we need to reconnect with that. It's, it's kind of like the psychology too, connecting the inner child. And that's not uh, being uh, psycho stuff. It's just saying, hey, <laughs> Jesus had a childhood, a spiritual childhood. And we need to kind of learn again. So we're in fact, every day, George, we're going back to the drawing board and we start again because we have to rub out our mistakes and we go zero me. St. Catherine of Siena. She said, uh, I am he that is not. He is he that is. Yeah. She's a zero. God is one. A zero can't do anything. Yeah. But give it next to the one. We have zero and one. We have power on and off computer. There's your binary maths. <laughs> Bringing you back to the Phoenician times of mathematics, which you were very good at, I remember. Yeah. Is that right? Am I, I putting you on the spot? You were also, very good at those things. I think also the alphabet as well. Uh, if you want to talk about well, the well, woman today. Well, can't win. There goes there goes every language. St. Dominic. So happy feast day, St. Dominic. Happy feast day. Now there's a man of fire. We fought the Albigensian uh, heretics. Yes. With, uh, let me show you. It wasn't really a gun. There you go. It's he, more, pulls it out of his, it, he pulls it out of his... Uh, <laughs> you have it ready more, to go, Robert? More powerful than any politician or policy or gun or nuclear weapon, the rosary. Amazing. The rosary. We are David. And we need to first defeat our Goliath so we can defeat other Goliaths. Absolutely. You know, What's your word to defeat the Goliath of gluttony and, and eating yeah. water in a generalistic yeah. way or to get started on that journey with your professional? What's yeah. your final message for people to take action now in this area of life? I think, I, I think men can play a great role here. First of all, by loving their spouse, not seeing them as a utensil or commodity for a kitchen. And also um, men, helping men in this area of eating because for men in particular, gluttony and that it can lead to addictions such as pornography. It's a big connection there and the studies are proving it. There is a, and this is all the body. It's all flesh and lust. The flesh is good. Jesus didn't give us dirty flesh. He gave us a body. So it's good. It's good. Why? Because he gave it to us. He's good. But we need to treat it good, you know? And uh, men need to be wary that food disorders can lead to addictions such as pornography. So is that, yeah. that connection with the sin of the flesh if you don't order? Yeah. Yes, impurity. You know, but, you know, George, our hearts always have to, if we keep our hearts open like a child, the second and most important step is we know, we have to know how to receive something. A lot of people can give you things, but can, can you receive the attitude of receiving it properly has to be spot on. Otherwise you don't get it. And that's, of course, our dispositions to food at mass are we disposed to the graces god's given it but are we receiving are we blocking i mean I so always, you hear yeah. people, uh, speak about stress eating you know when they feel stressed you know they go to cafe yeah. or yeah you know, yeah yeah everyone, everyone has yeah. what they call misery meal or let's say they feel stressed they're working and they're yeah. snacking what's your commentary there look no misery meals if you're miserable uh, usually probably you're dwelling too much on your own self. If you're stressing, right, you need to know. 
your doctor's not happy if you're stressing, you know, um, you know, there's a, a great book. I, I, I haven't even met the psychiatrist, but it's a famous book, an Aussie psychiatrist, uh, Dr. William Wilkie. It's been around for about 30, 40 years. Very thin. Stress. Understanding stress. Yeah. By yeah. who's the author there? It's a Dr. William Wilkie, right? So, oh, William Wilkie, Understanding Stress Breakdown. There you go. Yeah, and I think you can probably pick it up at St. Paul's. It used to be in the Shrine Cafe in Parramatta. Ah, yes, the old Shrine Cafe. Right? So little things like that. Understand how stress works. Basically, it's using up chemicals that are only meant to be using, used up in a life or death situation. We haven't got lions coming down our corridor anymore. Cortisol. Is okay? that, uh, is that correct? Cortisol, adrenaline. Stress, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you hear a big car accident or you're in a car accident and bang, you know, and, and adrenaline, cortisol, people are rushing. And, and the people that have the biggest hit of cortisol are the people in the car. If they can get out, they'll get out and go, I'm okay. I'm all right. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with me. He might have a busted arm, but he can't feel it because the adrenaline is buzzing. Why? It's trying to keep him to get him through this situation. Now, if we're using that level of chemical in everyday activities, something's wrong. Wow. Okay. So it's something Something's for people wrong. to be conscious of. That absolutely, absolutely. If you, are, if you are finding there is stress, maybe there needs to be something that you look at there with the professionals. Absolutely. Uh, blood, blood, you know, pressure, you know, you hear people, you know, uh, heart attacks and all these things. Yeah, they're, they're, they're things that, you know, happen. If you can avoid them, it would be good. But stress definitely it leads to those things. And it messes with your mind. Yeah, exactly. And how can people take action also if they want to see a professional? Mm. We're about making sure people are able Especially, especially in Australia, where we have the greatest medical uh, and Medicare system and healthcare system in the world, hands down. I don't care what anybody says. We're able yes. to take action very easily by seeing your local GP, by, yes. by getting those packages and plans that the government's put in place. You can very easily yes. access mental health, um, mental yes. health care if you need it or you find. Uh, there's an eating disorder yeah. there or any other uh, disorder. Yeah. So what, what, what's some advice for people to, to quickly, just a quick link for people to, um, to take action in that area, Robert? Okay. So basically if you've got a relationship with your GP, you know, you can say to them, look, you know, I'm, I'm stressing too much. Uh, um, I'm, I'm having trouble with my food uh, doc. You know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pigging out and things like that on the weekend when I go out and then, you know, I might purge or something and then I'd like to go and see a psychologist and then who do you recommend, right? And then he will recommend someone. Now, if you go and see a psychologist and you don't like them or you don't get on, whatever, it's awkward, fine, go and see someone else. We understand that. It's like GPs, right? You want to find someone that you can have a genuine relationship with and trust, that's yep. all you need. Absolutely. So yes. the first point for most people would be book an appointment with your GP or get yes. a GP and then yeah. your GP can direct you straight there with a package yeah. or anything yeah. to sort of get you a uh, fast track to that assistance. Yeah. You know, yeah, absolutely. People, this is Australia. You know, we have all the yeah. resources available. Absolutely. And there's some really, really good psychologists out there. Um, if, if, if there, if there is a bad apple or the, the one that's not too good out there, then um, we know about it. It's a pretty small community. You're one of the good apples, Robert. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well, you know, an apple a day keeps a doctor away, but I'm, we, we, we need our GPs. Uh, actually, GPs are doing it very tough at the moment, George, and your listeners, they're doing it very, very tough. They're, they're overworked. They're... Um, they're not even looked after as, as, as we think they are. They're not looked after at all. We need to really, really understand our GPs and know, you know, that person there is doing their very best. And if they're seeing you very quickly, it's probably because the government is 
not funding them uh, what they should be funding them. But that's uh, that's something that um, the people in law and they can argue out. But yeah, they're doing it tough. They love their work. They love their patients. They live for their patients. Workers. Big shout out to our frontline workers, our doctors, and all our oh yeah, and healthcare yeah. nurses. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. So let's take action this week. Thank you very much, Robert, for I mean the Welcome. wisdom that you Thank bring you. into the toolbox. And um, let's, uh, let's, let's take action from here. Everybody listening, I think it's time to take action. Look at your, uh, what you're eating and putting in your mouth. Uh, look at your um, uh, meals and eating routines and, and make adjustments and see the relevant professionals and let's take action. Let's, uh, let's yeah. go from here. So thank you for tuning into the Catholic Toolbox. The Art of Practical Catholicism. I'm your host and founder, George Manasseh. Until next week, God bless, take care and take action. In this era of grave spiritual crisis, it is not enough to simply know about your Catholic faith. That is why we need a Catholic toolbox to equip us with the practical skills necessary to live our Catholic faith to reach our ultimate goal, which is heaven for all eternity. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says. Join us every Tuesday night at 8pm for the Catholic Toolbox as we hand you the tools to go forth, live the faith and change our modern world today. Live on The Voice of Charity.